Hey friends, it's me, Katie Ann, and your host to the Full Confidence Ahead podcast, where we go on a journey together, tackling the fears of life from family relationships to finance, from careers to community. And I just want to give a shout out to our friends in the Netherlands and our friends in Egypt. We have hit to over 20 countries, and those two are new as of this week. So hello and welcome to the Full Confidence Head podcast. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you Dr. Scott Church. He is a professor of media studies communications theories, and is all about communications. But the best part is he does pop culture. And today he's going to give us all the ins and outs about, you guessed it, or you didn't, the Beatles. So stay tuned. And here we go. Dr. Church, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. And our listeners are very excited too. So we have to ask, if you had one song that could be the theme song of your life, what would it be? That's such a good question. And first of all, I'm so excited to be here too. Uh, I love that you invited me to be on this and I love what you're doing with this podcast. Thank so I'm you. very happy to be here. Um, I'm just buying myself time uh, for your first question because I'm having a hard time thinking of, of the perfect song for me. I'm one of those pop culture fanatics that I actually have, I have to make lists upon lists of favorite songs. Oh, um, rather than that's just me too. <laughs> I've got my Spotify. It's my faves list, and it just it just keeps compiling. I'm up to like fifty songs. You're only supposed to have one favorite, and I'm on fifty, so I get okay. it. <laughs> Good. So we we're kindred spirits then. Yeah, yeah, like. I, I get it. <laughs> so I, I think uh, I'm just trying to think of of songs that have kind of a a positive um, message. I think songs, whether or not they have a positive message, for me, it's it's. It's music that makes me feel uh, that's appropriate for my mood. So music that can relax me or music that can make me excited and pumped up. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like music with a good beat. Um, but I also like iconic uh, classic rock songs like the Beatles. I know we're going to be talking about the Beatles yeah. here. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I'll just throw out there maybe uh, one of my favorite uh, Beatles songs is... Uh, oh, so hard to... to to bring it down to one, I'll just say, um, I'll just say anything that has Paul playing the piano um, in a Beatles song are, are, are my favorite Beatles songs. Good choice. Yeah, the Beatles, there's just something about the Beatles. So classic. I'm so excited to really get into that subject today and hear your thoughts. So Dr. Church, can you kind of tell us first off, just kind of give us some context, how you became Dr. Church, because you have studied communication. So just kind of Give us that, give us your journey, and then we're going to dig into your research, which is really cool. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, I have, I have kind of a crazy story, um, but I love sharing it because I think it's I think it's helpful for a lot of people. Uh, you know, in terms of journeys, most of us have a journey that we, we don't really understand when we're on it until after we're looking back and, and we realize that it, it all turned out okay. And, and my story is no exception on that, right? I mean, I, I was in a situation where... I was an undergraduate student. I, I ended up with a degree in a field that I never really felt that passionate about. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I ended up going to, to Cedar City, to Southern Utah University. They were starting a new master's program in communications. And I had never really had much background in communications, um, but I was accepted and I was excited. They offered me a teaching uh, position as well to teach the intro class while I was taking these grad classes. 
That's and cool. I just had an awesome experience um, there and an awesome experience with the material, what I was learning. It was so interesting and relevant and useful. And around that time, I had a great professor, Dr. Kevin Stein, and he said, uh, I was in his graduate class, and he said, hey, you're a great writer. Um, I'm writing a paper on political debates. Would you like to be my co-author? And uh, I was still uh, new in the program. I was new to communications, but I did have some passion about political topics and political communication, so I agreed. We ended up writing a paper and submitting it to a national conference, and it got accepted. And so I was able to fly out to Chicago and present it. And it was there at that conference that I realized, you know, maybe this is a good path for me. Maybe this is a good path to to become a professor because I really like teaching and mentoring people, and I really like research. And then to seal the deal, uh, my final semester in my master's program, I took a class in popular culture and media. And I didn't even okay. know that, you know, that was, that's been my love since I was a little kid. So for me to actually see, hey, this is not only a real academic discipline, popular culture, but I can teach it and I can research it and I can get paid to do that, to, to, to live my dream. And so uh, ultimately I ended up at Brigham Young University in the School of Communications and I teach the popular culture class and I study popular culture. And so I, that's where I am now. I'm living the dream. That's so cool. It's so interesting to hear your story that it kind of happened along the way. It was at that conference. It was already when you were almost knee deep into it that you realized that, yes. So it gives me confidence at least to just keep going down my journey. And you know what? It'll click or it'll fall out. It'll just happen along the way. And now to know you are one of the everyone loves your pop cultures class and I'm so sad that I never had the opportunity to take it I that's my one regret of my undergrad <laughs> that I never had the opportunity to take it it just always didn't work in my schedule but that's why I'm so excited for you to be here on my podcast because I get a little taste of it today so we want to dig into your pop cultures specifically with the Beatles because how many books have you written again just just one one official okay. book yeah okay. and it just came out this month and so i'm uh it was really oh, exciting to goodness. have that happen what was the title of your book again so the book it's it's about remix <clears throat> so it's about popular music and how people use technology to take songs and mash them up and sample them and put them in different wow. contexts and so so uh just any any excuse to research popular music i'll i'll do it so that's what the book's about but i have published a number of articles um on popular culture uh i just had one on the beatles come out last year in the there's actually a journal called rock music studies and it's an awesome journal and i was so excited oh. that my my paper found a home there so uh so yeah i have i i have researched popular culture a ton that is so cool okay here we go Beatles, start us off, kind of give us some context, give us some insight into pop culture and the Beatles. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's so much to say. Um, the Beatles are really cool because so much of their history is wrapped up in, in our history and the history of our country. And, and some of you might be thinking, well, they're British. How can they be wrapped up in American history? But Really, they were such a big part of our culture um, in the in in the 1960s specifically, and uh, and their music and 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 I should add their music that was inspired by American music. You know, their idols were like 
where rockers like uh, Elvis, obviously, or, or Buddy Holly, or uh, some of these early uh, American rock and roll stars. Uh, but they came to shape popular music in the 1960s. And, and we're still feeling the reverberations of what they did, you know, 50, 60 years later. And so, so I love to learn about them. I love to listen to their music. But the thing that's most exciting about them to me is just how innovative they were. Mm -hmm. And today we live in a time where it's easy to say, well, everything's already been done um, because anyone with a computer and a guitar can make their own music. Um, and there's been so many different bands and there's just this finite amount of chords that a band can play, but they really saw the possibilities that were out there and they drew from, uh, from all different types of music. For example, John Lennon wrote the song because on Abbey road. And if you're familiar with the song, it was actually inspired by trying to play Bach backwards on the piano. Um, no way. I had no idea. And I'm a classical music girl, yes. but I also love the Beatles. I had no idea. Yeah, I fit, that's why I wanted to throw that in there because I thought you'd be interested. So oh, totally. Listen to it and it sounds like Bach on a harpsichord a little bit. Like it's a really, no so they're always doing this. And then of course, Eleanor Rigby, which has all sorts of strings in it. Right. Um, they were certainly inspired by, you know, Baroque classical music. Um, they're also throwing in all sorts of non-conventional um musical ideas in there for example their their song um oh suddenly it slipped my mind uh i think it's she loves you one of those early iconic songs by them they chose to end it on a super weird chord it's i don't even remember what it is but it's one of those chords that you just never hear in popular music they were really kind of trailblazers where they would take these unusual musical ideas um, they weren't afraid of them, and they would they would throw them in, and 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 they really showed the possibilities of what pop artists could do, and so so their history is it's a history of of America in the '60s, but it's also a history of the uh, the slippage between art and and popular entertainment. I mean, they they kind of walk the line between both, so they're just a really fascinating band to try to study. As you're saying all these titles of the days, I'm like, she loves me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're all coming in my head. And something's so interesting to me because I am a couple generations removed from the Beatles, and yet it's still very prominent in my life. I grew up listening to the Beatles. We still listen to the Beatles. I still have Beatles parties, like themed parties that we go to. So why why are they so prominent? What made them kind of establish themselves in culture? That's a great question, and I think I think it really is it, the reason they're so prominent is because they just influenced so many others. Um, they're they're just influential, and really, you just you can't really get away from the Beatles. Um, if you are really interested in popular music, all paths lead back to the Beatles. They they're just they they inspired whole you know styles of playing. They inspired styles of composing. I really think that John Lennon and Paul McCartney, you look at them and they were relatively, I don't know how they became such good musicians because uh, you may know, or maybe you don't, that neither of them could read music. Neither of them could write, read, or okay, write. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. They couldn't read or write music. So no. how did they compose <laughs> knowing that? So, I'm like, wait a minute, being a musician, that would be a huge 
huge hurdle to get over. Can I can imagine? play by ear, but I can't. I can't even imagine. Especially they've left so many pieces of music for us to take over, and it is written down. So yeah, tell me about that. So they just you, you hear their stories. Uh, they it was definitely a different time era. Um, when they were composing these songs, right, the 50s and the 60s, right. they didn't have all the sophisticated devices we have now to record our musical ideas. Nowadays, you can, you can, uh, you, your computer can can notate, you know, your compositions for you. It's pretty amazing with some right. software. So they wouldn't be able to write down their ideas, so they would just have to play it a lot. They'd play it over and over and over until it became ingrained in their minds. And so you hear their early, um, their early music, that's one reason that they got so good is they just played it over and over and over and they melded their sound and they just, I mean, they've got stories about writing. I love the story that Paul shared when he was a teen, him and George and, and John, they'd have to hop on the bus and ride all over the English countryside to get someone else to meet someone they've never met before because they had heard a rumor that this other person knew how to play a B7 chord. And so... <laughs> They'd spend a whole day just to locate a B7 chord, and then that became another tool in their arsenal. So it was just like there was a real magic that came from from music for them of learning it. And all frankly, all the effort they took to learn it and all the effort they took to remember it, mm-hmm. um, they, internalized, they internalized music in a way that few pop artists do. And so it really shows in, in their music. I mean, they're, they're amazing. I should, I should mention one other thing that came to mind uh, Malcolm Gladwell is a very famous uh, writer and in his book um, Outliers I think is the name uh-huh. of it he talks about the 10,000 hour rule and, right. uh, and if you remember to your listeners you know 10,000 hours that's how long it takes for an expert to mm-hmm. really master something right um, he actually uses the Beatles as one of his examples it was their 10,000 of hours playing in the clubs in England and playing over in Germany before they ever hit it big, where they finally had an idea of their identity as artists and their fashion and their sound, by the time they were in the Ed Sullivan, uh, the Ed Sullivan show, they knew who they were and they were good at it. They were ready to go. Um, there was so. Anyway, uh, I think I answered your question somewhere in there. I just want to pause and give a moment to our sponsors. Now, you guys, <laughs> I'm afraid of three things, and that snakes haunted houses, and going over my budget. And Utah Money Mons has helped me calm my fear of going over my budget through their free webinars and downloadable materials. Last December, they actually had a webinar for panic procrastinators, and it helped me stay in the budget and keep calm while I was getting all the gifts that I needed during the holiday season. They actually helped 86% of their followers create a financial goal. So head on over to utahmoneymoms.com or utahmoneymoms on Instagram to get your free financial confidence boost. No, you definitely did. I love that you brought up Malcolm Gladwell. I'm like, it's on. Oh, it's over here in the back. I have um, sitting on my desk over here. I have the David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I really like his theories, his thoughts. Um, and I grew up as a harpist with this idea of 10,000 hours. It was not. Um, I, I really, truly believed in the idea that there wasn't a prodigy. There was a really great practicer. To some degree, we all have natural abilities, but that practicing makes you good. And um, so I love that you brought that into there because that totally changed my thought process. I had no idea that they couldn't read music. 
that would be such a big just that would be huge i can't even imagine learning music and the effort like you said they went down a track someone who could play a b7 chord i just can't even imagine because i can just look at a piece of music and be like b7 okay those are my notes put my fingers here done it takes me about three minutes or less and it took them hours to figure it out but i probably forget it the next day be like oh how do i play that b7 but they did it so that is so interesting um i love that you brought up this black of gladwell too but i'm reading david and goliath and they talk about sometimes we think things are disadvantages but because we've had to work harder at them they actually end up being advantages so i'm thinking about that in the beatles if we might have seen them as disadvantaged because they didn't know how to uh, read music or whatnot but because of that they overcompensated with harder work which made them even more successful that's i had no idea absolutely no idea it, it helps you appreciate them more doesn't it oh now i will be listening to their music and be like wow they because when they're performing now you can't be reading music that just totally blows me away too because when you perform a concert that is a significant amount of music that you have to memorize and have in in your repertoire and I like to use my iPad. Like I, I use my iPad with all my music. And not only are they memorized, but they don't have a score to back them up at all. Wow. That's so impressive to me. Just very well, impressive. And to add to that, they, they are, um, they're just a great case yeah. study of what hard work can do for someone. Mm -hmm. Because, again, they came from very humble beginnings. Um, mm -hmm. they had, they had a real passion for what they were doing. Um, they really wanted to be cool. That was a big part of what they wanted as teenagers. And so that inspired them. But, but the more they, the more they played their music, the better they got. And, and it, it is tempting to say they had this sort of ethereal talent that just a mm -hmm. generational talent, maybe never will be repeated again by, by four people in a music group. But, but when people say that, sometimes they neglect to appreciate just how much work they put into sounding the way they'd sounded. Um, and, and, it was, and it was really internalizing all of their training and practice and hard work that it did become another language for them. And they did open the floodgates for what was possible, um, not just with other musicians, but with themselves. So I, a story I think about all the time is when I think about hard work and when I think about competition, they used competition in a way between Paul. There was a really healthy competition. Well, it depends who you ask. Some would say it was unhealthy, but John and Paul, they were always competing with each other to see uh, who really? could come up with that song. And really one of the most iconic songs of all time is Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Uh -huh. What's interesting and the story behind the song is that Paul had written and recorded something beautiful and John was jealous. And so he went upstairs and he wrote hard days night in its entirety in like three hours. Um, just because oh my <laughs> Paul kind of pushed him to it. Right. And so <laughs> right. these songs that, you know, have been such a part of our culture for so many decades, they were just cranking them out in a couple hours because they were so good at what they did. And they had this fire lit under them to create good stuff, not only that people would like, but also so they could one up each other in the band. Um, and, you know, and, and you look at other songs like 
Like uh, I think John Lennon in in the late '60s, he recorded "Strawberry Fields Forever," one of his masterpieces. Mm-hmm. And so Paul responded with "Penny Lane," one of his masterpieces. Um, they were always kind of wow. eternally pushing each other along. So they were inspiring each other um, through that competition and really draw, digging deep and pulling the best out of themselves to create this music that uh, that we've all just loved for all these years since then. That's so interesting that they did have this competitive relationship, but and according to some people, healthier or more competitive. But, but there is this element of competition that pushes all of us as human beings to be better. It's when, when you have someone of of your same esteem in the same room or in the same situation, you're kind of pushing yourself. Uh, no wonder that their music kept getting better and better. But I want to know, in your opinion, what is their song that's like the pinnacle song? Like, what is, what is the Beatles' masterpiece? Well, it's hard to say as a song, but okay. most people agree it's the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band from 1967. Um, Really, there were a few years there where they could just do no wrong with their albums. Um, So their albums, Rubber Soul, Revolver, um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band all came out in a row. I think Magical Mystery Tour is in there, which is less iconic, but it's still a great album. And then that was followed by the White Album, which is my personal favorite Beatles album in 1968. And then they uh, ended it, well... There was uh, they ended it with with uh, with Abbey Road, one of their best, um, and then Let It Be was released after that. But but when you look at their all of these albums, you just it's surprising they they just did so good. Their their quality of work was so good and interesting and different during all these album releases. So I I agree with what other critics have said. The Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band that's probably as good as it gets for the Beatles. And, and on that album, probably their best song is A Day in the Life um, by John Lennon, which is hard to say because it is kind of a disturbing song in some ways. Um, but one thing I do love about that song is you have the sort of depth and darkness of, of John Lennon's composition, but then it goes to this really bright, um, happy section that, that Paul brought into it. And so you, it's just a study in the contrast of how they're different styles. Um, not only would they push each other via their competition, but they also complemented each other in their different styles. And A Day in the Life is a great example of that happening. That's really an interesting one. Um, so I want to ask the question, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, especially with pop culture, because things are happening in pop culture. So were they responding to what was happening in culture or were they influencing culture? Yeah, they were doing both. They started okay. as a response. Um, they okay. started because, to them, rock and roll. You got to remember when they're when they're starting off, rock and roll is still very new, okay. um, and rock and roll is also seen as cool, but it's also seen as dangerous and and rebellious, and that struck a chord with them. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> rebellious, right? Because they're teenagers right. in Liverpool. Um, in this, and, and, and they just want, and they want to do something fun and exciting and different Mm -hmm. and rock and roll was that medium for them. Mm -hmm. So they were responding to that, uh, to, to, to these, uh, interesting, uh, and I, I haven't mentioned, you know, little Richard was another 
Cliff Richard, a, a, a British uh, rock and roll star, also had an influence on them. But all of these sort of early giants of rock and roll, uh, they're inspiring the Beatles. So they're responding to that, but they're also responding to to the state of music in general at the time, which they're kind of bored by. They wanted something different. So they're responding to that. But as time goes on and as they find their identity and they start experimenting with new sounds and and, and, and soundscapes and, and, and compositional ideas, they're just leaving their imprint on culture and, and people are picking up um, where they left off and they're making their own music because they're inspired by the creativity of the Beatles. You know, there were contemporaries like the Rolling Stones um, who were heavily influenced by uh, you know, by the blues of of uh, the blues music of uh, African American artists in the American South, yeah. and so you have the Rolling Stones perfecting that sound, and they're doing great at it. But I definitely prefer the Beatles to them because the Beatles that influenced them to some degree. But the Beatles were drawing from so many different sounds. You listen to an album of theirs like the White Album, and they have so much innovation on that album. Uh, they have what seems like an infinite amount of possibilities and they're just, it's just all over the place and, and it's beautiful and messy, but it's, it's in doing that. Some people have argued even that one album um, inspired whole genres of popular music. And so that's another reason I love them is I just love exploring that massive shadow of that, of influence they have over, over all music today. I don't think I even know quite their influence. So can you tell me some of the genres or some of the the bands that they inspire that we can kind of see that direct application into the bands? Like, okay, well, this band kind of took that and continued it or it, it opened up this genre. I don't think I even know. Yeah, there's so there's so many of them. It's hard to articulate all of them. I, I'm just off the top of my head, I'll mention um, uh, Jeff Lynn's band. I think that... I think it was ELO, and I apologize that I'm not. It's not coming to mind I immediately love ELO. right now. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're ones who do Mr. Blue Sky, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. If That's like that my song, alarm. <laughs> oh, I know. It's a wonderful song, but it's so Beatles esque, right? It's very. Okay, I wonder when you were talking about the Beatles, especially because they have kind of in that song they have this dichotomy of two different styles in one, and I was wondering if that was kind of direct relation to the Beatles, where you have these homogenous styles coming together. Yes. Yeah, there is. And, and part of it is, is Jeff Lynn, the singer and composer of the band who himself, mm -hmm. he's, he's a tremendous talent, but mm -hmm. he's very derivative of the Beatles in his style. I mean, he's, he kind of takes their style and makes it his own with his band, but an interesting side note, he loved the Beatles so much that he ended up being super influential for them too, because uh, he became a good friend of George Harrison's. He was in George's worked with George and side projects. He was in, in, the Traveling Wilburys with him and Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, this sort of super band in the 80s. And then he ended up being the architect behind the Beatles reunion songs of the 90s. Uh, when the Beatles anthology oh. came out, Jeff Lynne was there recording him and he played on the stage oh, with George. So cool. yeah. yeah, so it's kind of this, you've got this sort of cycle, right, of taking and giving back. I love that relationship between them. Um, but so many other bands, I mean, so many bands, the 70s, uh, if not compositional techniques, they were just using the same sounds, mm -hmm. um, the sounds that they pioneered. Um, and so uh, just one example that I, I just have to mention because 
because it's so contemporary right now. Um, the movie yesterday that came out last year. Yes. Uh, for those of you who have seen it, you still see this is a whole movie just about the Beatles and just about their influence and how, you know, how they just cannot be replaced. Someone else could try, but they're just irreplaceable, right? Mm-hmm. And so their their influence is felt in, in that way too. Um, but the, the, the argument I'm thinking of, actually, if I remember right, it's made by Chuck Klosterman. He's a, a great pop culture writer. I love his writings. He argues on the White Album, you've got the song Helter Skelter on it, which is this rare moment for the Beatles because it's very loud and distorted. Uh, but for 1968, it was very revolutionary. And he argues that just that song itself spawned the whole genre of heavy metal. And then you've got Paul McCartney doing stuff like Martha, My Dear, or uh, Your Mother Should Know, this sort of like kind of throwback to the 20s, mm-hmm. like like rags of the 20s and his piano playing and stuff. Um, I guess kind of Scott Joplin-esque. And so you've got so many different sounds that they're bringing in and they're, they're bringing in, putting together. And then you've got John Lennon bringing in the sort of raw, um, the real raw sound of early rock and roll um, in, in his style. And, and, and they just so beautifully complement each other in their albums. Of course, you've got to give credit to, to George Martin, who was recording them in the studio and finding helping them with the sequencing of these songs and, and making sure they still sound engineered and they're mixed correctly. Right. But, but anyway, so that's just a little bit on that. That's just amazing. I think I'm still stunned just at the, just at the knowing now the knowledge that they didn't read music as a musician. I am just totally floored that they've done this so many albums without having the ability to read music. So that was just complete memorizing. I, and knowing how much work goes into memorizing music, I am just completely floored at that fact. And now I'm also pondering all the things because I'm a fan of ELO as well as the Beatles. So now I'm kind of going through, okay, yeah, seeing those chord progressions or those innovations. I, as you were talking, some of the songs just popped in my head of, direct influences that would have been from the Beatles that I didn't even consider that connection before. Um, so I'm so glad you jumped on with us today and shared some of the Beatles knowledge. I had no idea any of this. So I'm so excited. And just as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you the question that we always ask our podcast listeners. And that is what is one piece of advice that you give your younger self to boost your confidence? Uh, I love that. And, and, and I think that that advice I can tie into our whole discussion today, which is um, don't be afraid of hard work. Mm. Uh, I think that that's just a great, great guidance that, that for me, um, that helped me get to where I am. Um, and I would like to share it with your listeners too. Don't be afraid to do hard work. It's called hard work for a reason, but it has a great outcome. If you work hard and you believe in yourself, it boosts your confidence and it helps you do amazing things. And if the Beatles could do it, then you can do it too. That's, I need to like put that on my wall. I always have this little quote wall back here. I have dream big. Now I'm going to put, if the Beatles can do it, I can do it too. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on. And I just want to make sure that our listeners can find you in your book. So what's the title of your book again? Where can they find you in your articles? Yeah. So, so probably the easiest way to find my, my research is just go to Google Scholar. So scholar.google.com. Type in my name, Scott Hayden Church. That's H-A-D-E-N, my middle my middle name. And then it'll bring up a list of my articles so you can see them there and you can access them there. 
Um, the book is called Turntables and Tropes, A Rhetoric of Remix, and you can go onto Amazon and, and find it there, uh, again, under my name, Scott Hayden Church. I am so excited to go and now both read your article on the Beatles and go back and read your book. But I'm thank you for jumping on. We are just so grateful that you're on today and that you shared so much about the Beatles. I had no idea any of it. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. I think a lot of times the feeling of fear comes from a lack of control in our lives. And our sponsor, PowerPay, is offering a money master course that's normally $40 for free to all Full Confidence Ahead podcast listeners so you can take control of your finances this year. The course is video-based and gives you real-life money smarts. So to claim your course, go to extensioncourses.usu.edu slash Pal, which is K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N-P-O-W-E-L-L, and it'll automatically add the money master course to your cart and you just click checkout and you'll get it for free. You can also access your course by going to extensioncourses.usu.edu and finding the Money Master course under the finance category, then using the code KATIEANN, K-A-T-I-E-A-N-N, with no spaces, to claim your $40 discount and free course at checkout. So let's master our money together. Thanks for listening in on the Full Confidence Ahead podcast. Weekly on Tuesdays, we'll continue our journey of confidence together through new interviews and insights. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on the latest conversations and confidence boosts. And by the way, you got this because you deserve to live life full confidence ahead. See you next week.